Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Was this thing a book at some time? Um, yes, actually, this is based on a novel called, oddly enough, Lovecraft Country. The author is a gentleman named Matt Ruff. And one of the th- reasons that he wrote the book is that he's a Lovecraft fan. But like we've talked, actually talked about uh, in previous episode, if you know enough about Lovecraft, you know Lovecraft was terribly, terribly racist. And <laughs> one of the, the problems that Matt Ruff saw was that he really loved Lovecraft's writings, but this is a man who uh, viewed people as less than human. Mm. And so it was this... He was terrified, scared of women, and, yeah, you know, he had all sorts of crazy. Not to excuse his racism, but he did not have an easy life. His father was committed to an insane asylum, probably for madness caused by syphilis. He and his mother went to live with his aunts. And at one point, Lovecraft's family had been wealthy, but they weren't anymore. And they just got poorer and poorer and poorer and poorer. And um, his mother had her own issues. He grew up in a very troubled environment. This does not excuse anything. But when you look at some of his writing, a lot of people have argued that the root cause of why Lovecraft wrote what he wrote, and of course the cause of some of his racism, was that he was terrified of everything. <laughs> you know, whether he admitted it or not, you could. Some people have argued that Lovecraft let his fear a channel into writing about fear, because almost everything that he writes about really is about fear. Yeah, Terror. and of course he was scared of foreigners and people who were not like him. Which, when you consider who, you know, when you consider H.P. Lovecraft, everyone was not like him. So and they, address that, they address that pretty deftly in this show. They do. Well, and that's kind of what, what Ruff set out to do was to kind of take the black experience with racism, you know, the cosmic horror of Lovecraft, and bring them together. Uh, and hi, folks. This is Apocalypse Now. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and I am Timothy Harvey. I'm Dustin. My name is Curtis. And we are discussing the first episode of Lovecraft Country. Um, We are a little late to the game. If you go out to the internet, you can find a bazillion different reviews of this show. But none by us. Exactly. Three white middle-aged men who watched (laughs) it over the internet. That's right. Um, I'm sure that no other white middle-aged men have reviewed this show. uh, I'm surely not. But on the other hand... We have a long history of reviewing things when we want to, so right. we're not going to stop that. We're going to talk about uh, Dr. Moreau. Didn't that come out in the 90s? We're going to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> we do what we want here, which explains our, the size of our audience. Anyway, so yeah, this episode, this first episode, this HBO series, this comes from uh, Jordan Peele. Of course, the director of Us and Bad Robot. So you've got your J.J. Abrams production companies uh, involved in this. And it's 
God, this, this series is gorgeous. It's real purdy. And sometimes we, we've been known on this show to use the phrase, boy, that, sure, that film sure is pretty in, in a negative I, sense. Yes. Because that's the good thing, one good thing you can say about it. But no, this, this show is gorgeous as a production. Yes. Is- I was going to say sumptuous. It's sumptuous. The colors oh, yeah. and the, 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 the day stra- or the, the scene dressing, the, uh, the way that the characters are presented. It's just be- like well, it beautiful. It's a, a feast a, for the a, eyes. What year is this? It takes place. It's a period thing. It's in the, it's in the 1950s. 1950s, right. So it's right about the time of the Korean War. Mm-hmm. And uh, because our, our main, one of our main characters, Atticus, is a soldier who's home from the Korean War. Right. And um, as a production designer, one, and, and somebody who loves the time period of the 1920s or the 1950s for the design, for the texture, for the look of the world, and have done some 1940s short film set stuff myself, I look at the production design on this show and just go, this is art. I mean, this is gorgeous. Right. I mean, somebody, this- somebody had a really, really good time. Some costume designer <laughs> got to go out and be like, what is going to make these people just look just so like everybody looks sexy and oh, those things. Yeah. And, everything. Yeah. Was, everything was designed, drawn and fabricated because those clothes fit so perfectly on all of those guys it, it was uh everything was tailored you could just right. tell that mm-hmm. oh it's beautiful 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 design and the good news is is that it's not just a it's so pretty kind of show there's a lot going on here and the really clever thing they do here is they recognize that tension and build are things that have to happen in horror. Uh And if you're going to do a show like this, based on a novel, and you want to care about the characters, you have to spend some time getting to know those characters. But you can't not have tension. Yeah. You have to find a balance to introduce these characters, make you care about them, but still build tension before they basically rip the mask off. (laughs) But luckily, I mean... The, the this show being i mean being about african american people in the 50s that tension is immediate and apparent like from the second that atticus appears on the screen mm-hmm. uh it starts off with a dream sequence of him it looks like it's in world war 1 he's in a trench He's, you know, running around, he's fighting uh, what looks like, uh, you know, maybe German soldiers, but slowly as he, as it's black and white, and it's got that newsreel music to it, and slowly as it, as it, as he goes farther, Indians appear, Native American warriors appear, and like <laughs> Roman soldiers, mm-hmm. and Cthulhu and spaceships, and you—that's you know, about the time you see the first UFO, you're like, oh, this is a this is a dream. Then uh, the Red Princess of Mars, whose name I do not remember, Deja Thoris. Deja, yeah, okay, Kazuta. Say that again, just <laughs> Deja Thoris. She descends from a uh, 
a UFO just in time for Jackie Robinson to defeat Cthulhu. <laughs> and then he wakes up. And he is leaving Kentucky on a bus. Uh, it's him and, and one other black woman and a, a bus full of white people. And they are headed up to Chicago. Bus breaks down. Yeah. They get stranded on the side of the road and a truck comes to pick them up. And there is no question in Atticus's mind. He doesn't say a word about getting on that truck. He just helps the lady with her luggage and they walk down the road. Yeah. I mean, there's not even a, there's not oh, even they knew they weren't getting on that truck. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's and the interesting thing the show does here is that it doesn't show you a confrontation between him and the driver of the truck. You just see him looking at the truck. You see him helping other people onto the truck. And then it cuts to them walking down the road. You don't need to see the racism that's baked into that situation to see the racism that's baked into that situation. It was really interesting how quickly they immersed, uh, how quickly I felt immersed in the world that they had built. This was a, this was Definitely from from a black perspective, and I got sucked into that right away. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, that was some compelling drama. And especially, it's kind of a big deal, that very first thing right out of the gate. It's like they they have to walk for miles. From, they've got, they just, now they've got to walk because they're black. That sucked me right in. I really under, kind of understood the world I was walking into now. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it does a really good job of reminding you very, very quickly the racism based on the color of someone's skin is ridiculous in so many ways. One of them is that these are recognizable people. You know these people. It doesn't matter what skin color they are. You know people exactly like these people. Yeah. Your friends and your family, these are people just like you, the viewer, whatever your skin color is. Uh, but see, I think that what you're seeing here is that that these life experiences while, you know, a soldier on his way home to fight, you know, to his, to, uh, on his way home on the bus and, you know, a, a mother on her way home on the bus are recognizable. Their lives are nothing like that. That's the point right. is that, that all the white people were able to get on that truck and drive away. And mm-hmm. all, and the two black people, two black people with two suitcases, nothing didn't get to get on that in a way you're seeing that e- that the only the, the the inherent evil of the racism is showing like no their lives are nothing like ours in case in case i was curious about what the what the setting of this story was going to be which i was cuz i didn't i didn't know anything about it and that i just knew lovecraft uh-huh. and now I'm sucked in because they've taken, well, apparently this original author has taken uh, the idea of being into Lovecraft to a whole different place that I'm really enjoying so far. I'm going really, yeah. to really love getting into this. One of the things the show does extremely well is that you don't have to know a lot about Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, one of the things yeah, if that you they... didn't know anything about Lovecraft right now, you'd be seriously wondering what the fuck is going on. Well, there's that. You have to know something. Because uh, they're not they're not telling you a lot, which is one of the things I like about the script. 
They're not explaining everything. Yeah. Well, they gave you, I think they gave you enough of who love, like it, it gave us, you know, cause Atticus arrives back in Chicago. Uh, his uncle who's, who's, you know, I don't remember his name uh, is, is writes a, uh, a guidebook for black people so that they can travel around the country safely. Oh, right, right, right. And so he arrives at his uncle's place of business and finds a Lovecraft book. George Freeman is his character's name. And they, at that moment, they talk about Lovecraft as an author and about his his racism and about how uh, Atticus's father did not approve of him being a sci-fi and and horror fan. (laughs) Yeah. Made him uh, memorize a, a racist poem that Lovecraft had written, uh, the name of which I don't believe that we can say on this podcast. It has the N-word in it. Well, we and, could, but there's no reason to. Right. Well, I think, I think in a situation like that, it depends on how excited you are to say it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, if then, you don't want to say it, don't say it. But if you do want to say it, really don't say it. Right. We need to remember later, Curtis, because... Uh, because the 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 white characters on the show are very free with the n word, and this reminds me of a conversation that you and I had while you were visiting me uh, about intent of the author, right? And the power words have, and sometimes you have to to use words in your writing that you would never use in your personal life or that's because because the characters who are speaking have minds of their own and you have to look you're either a good writer or you're not and if you're not it's probably because you don't let your characters say what they need to right and we were talking about a, a, a a play you had written where the characters had some misogyny they were they were because it was set in a, in a world in a time where the shitty people won right you know? and so and you had got some feedback from someone saying that you wished that they had wished the characters hadn't been so misogynist and well they saying, want, she wanted me to actively use language that was kinder to women so the my favorite analogy about that is oh really would you also like me to paint you a painting to match your couch fuck <laughs> Well, and, but see, this goes back to exactly what we were talking about. If you had written those characters in a way that was more more sensitive to women, or these characters as more sensitive to women, they like would not have been television. Yeah, they would not have been the characters that you wrote. Right. It wouldn't have been the story you needed or wanted to tell. Meanwhile, in Lovecraft Country, they have you know the same thing going on if they were to write for a modern sensibility then you know these characters are or if they had written from a point of view of the modern way we speak you couldn't have had evil characters like that sheriff mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had the way we wouldn't be able to telegraph what he was all about in five seconds the way that they did yeah i've 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 had to say that particular word on stage uh, in a staged reading that I was doing with uh, with a black playwright, and I didn't want to say it. And she was like, you're going to have to say it. I'm sorry. 
it's what I wrote on the page and you're going to have to say it. I was like, I don't have to like saying it. She goes, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't like saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Part, part of the, part of the, uh, the job is to not like it, but yeah. you also part of it is to say the word. I'm I'm as terrified of that as I am stage kisses. Thank God I'm not asked to do that anymore. But they're terrifying. <laughs> well, so, you- yeah, that's a that's a good point because this script is like they've got some white ass villains, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they are the worst. Well, and you know, it certainly as as all of us have been actors at various points, and and the sometimes playing the villain is the best part just because oh, it's the only good part really the but then you put it play a situation like this where your job is to play you know a incredibly racist sheriff <laughs> and you're doing this with surrounded by an extremely talented cast of, of we're get, we're getting ahead of ourselves though because right. we yeah. don't know why they're being hassled by a sheriff yet do we? okay we no we are not there yet so anyway atticus uh goes to his uncle because his father has disappeared. Uh, Atticus's father did not want him to become a soldier. And when he joined the army, he basically stopped contacting him, never wrote him a letter, anything like that. But the only letter he ever wrote was one that basically said, I'm in trouble. (laughs) So now Atticus feels like he has to go find him. Well, because there's a little bit of backstory here, and we get a we get a very odd expression from his uncle when he talks about this letter because he basically apparently there was an issue with Atticus's mother. When as soon as the letter in the letter when he says he's learned something about Atticus's mother, the look on his uncle's face is like, "What did you learn?" And it, you can see relief wash across his face when Atticus says he, you know, he thought where my, where my mother's family came from or it looks like relief in theory. I mean, it's hard to tell with this show. That was my impression. I could be wrong. The father disappeared. The mother died years ago. She's probably not dead. Oh no. She's probably. She's she's 100%. Yeah. She's a thousand 15 million years old. Yeah. (laughs) And her real name is Sarah Thothmagothalothaloth. Yeah. Thothalothaloth. Right. So anyway, meanwhile, while Atticus is uh, is dealing with all of this uh, with his uncle, uh, who comes back to town but Sadie? I want to say Sadie. Letitia. Letty Lewis. Oh, Letty. Letty. And- played by Journey Smollett, who get ready to get your minds blown was black canary in that terrible birds of prey movie shut your face that movie was amazing i like i am i am pointing at my camera curtis that movie was fucking awesome i liked it too it's really good movie (laughs) your opinion is invalid yeah i know i I enjoyed the movie so i don't know why you're mad at me Uh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that, and she is so freaking awesome. Uh, her her fight scenes in Birds of Prey were like the best, the best thing that ever happened. Black Canary is my Black Canary is one of my second. It's about my second favorite 
DC character mm-hmm. behind uh, the Green Arrow, Green Arrow, because they have such a lovely romance. Well, uh, and I like the things that they've done with her recently, where they basically changed her from, you know, I think she was like a school teacher or something ridiculous, to like a rock star. <clears throat> and like she doesn't, you know, she travels around with her band and fights crime. Anyway, we're getting off subject. Word. Uh, so Letty is coming back to town, and Letty's a bit of a ne'er do well. She shows up at her sister's house, or this block party where her sister's performing, and her sister's basically like, are you back for money? <laughs> She's like, no, but if you could let me stay with you, that would be great. I don't, I don't need no money, just, you know, a place to live and some food to eat and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And this comes across, money for <laughs> this comes across like a long running thing yeah. in the family. There's a bit of, there's a bit of a like kind of a train wreck of of story clichés that happen in this. I think around this point when we're getting introduced to characters there there's really as far as story wise there's really nothing unique happening here. Well, I don't know. I think the idea of a female like they introduce her in a way that I think is very reminiscent to the way certain male characters, like the, you know, she's this fly, like she's a fly boy. I mean, the person you expect to be the like suave, charismatic, like guy is supposed to be Atticus, but he's a, he's a sci-fi nerd who wears glasses and Letty comes in and she's dressed like to the nines and she's got a, she's a, you know, takes these pictures and slowly is it, you know, she, she, you know, she has the same fight with her brother about money when they eventually show up at his place. And you hear snippets of like, oh, well, she used the money to bust friends out of jail. And like, what's going on with Letty? She's, you know, a bad- oh, she's, an, she's an activist. Oh, she's a badass too. She's got great car skills and she (laughs) runs like the wind yeah but she also has a real conflict with her family because she wasn't around for mom's funeral oh okay that's right he's like how could you miss your own mom's funeral she's like again with this well and then that's one of those things you overhear when she's talking to her brother because he says i thought i gave you this money so you could go to mama's funeral and she says again with this nobody seems to understand my issues with mom like, like, just to say that, but that's one of the things that she says is there. Apparently, there was some sort of issue with her and her mother. Well, she'll have some backstories, like some flashbacks or something like that later on in the series, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably coming up very soon. I do like how they, just in general, how they introduce characters. I mean, how the, in the very beginning of this series, for the first boring ass twenty or thirty minutes they were introducing a lot of characters and we were getting, getting to know a lot of people Mm -hmm. and then some fun shit started to happen. Well, and I think that it's going to be really interesting because uh, they introduce Atticus's aunt and his cousin and, and Letty's sister and the guys at a bar. That's smooth. When, when uncle George uh, seduces, uh, Oh, aunt, what's her name? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he's all like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna slide up in here, and you're gonna, because it's daytime, and the, <laughs> daytime's the right time too, or something." He says, "Oh some yeah, shit." 
and it was on. Well, <laughs> it's, it's good. There's something, always something really neat in my eyes about seeing characters who come across as people who are really in love. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. one those, it's one of those moments where you just see these two people, they're cuddling in bed, they've woken up in the morning, and they're laughing with each other, and they're talking about things that don't necessarily matter until they are. And there's a real intimacy in this scene that is hard to do. It's hard to write and it's hard to act. And these and they do a fantastic job here and it feels very natural. It's a really strong scene. You know this this is a happy marriage. This is these are two people who love each other. And that comes across very, very clearly. Oh yes. Um, and the fun part, of course, is during after this scene you get a cut to their daughter who's sitting in the living room going, Really? Oh god, this is so gross. <laughs> is there gross they're banging? Now I've got to about this. Uh, I'm trying to go yeah. to sleep. <laughs> but, but she's an artist, and she has drawn all over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes comic books, and she has drawn all over the map. Like, like, because her dad does this uh, this travel guide, and so places that are dangerous, she has drawn on the maps, like orcs and <laughs> and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool. Right, the place they're gonna go. Yeah, What's the Grim yeah. Reaper. Yeah, right on top of it. Well, and and introducing these characters in the way that they do, and establishing who they are. Very these these main characters that we're following initially is really really effective because you very quickly know who these people are. You know what kind of person Atticus is right away. You right. you know that for all that uh, Letty is, you know, a little dangerous. I mean, come on, she shows up. St- jumps on stage and does a does a racy duet with her sister. Did they want it? Did they want it to be kind of weak sauce? That was a little bit weak sauce. I thought it was fun, but it wasn't like I don't know, man. I didn't remember that particular scene. I thought it went on way too long because it wasn't that good. I I always appreciate a scene where the actresses or the actors are allowed to sing their own sing use their own voice for the singing and they But I think they job. overdubbed their own voice. I think if they'd have kept their voice on like oh, and probably recorded that live that would have been amazing probably. But the I don't know, just to me it sounded the sound mix wasn't right and and when you do stuff like that in a after you record when you go to do the ADR for stuff like that, the energy's not there. Mm-hmm. So I, I was I like that a little bit, but it gives you, but it gives you a sense of who she is and her interaction with her sister right away. And then immediately when, you know, Atticus and his uncle decide they're going to go try and track down what happened to their dad, his dad, you know, suddenly instead of her going looking for the job, like she told her sister, She's coming along. Still with them. (laughs) (laughs) We forgot to mention um, that Atticus goes looking for, goes to the bar that his father, because his father is apparently a lush, uh, would go and hang out at. Um, I think the dad's going to surprise us. uh, Well, we'll have to see what happens with his dad. But he gets to the bar and um, walks in on the. There's some. There's some really interesting dynamics here in terms of how it's not just the story of being black in the 1950s. There's other things happening here too. So 
when he goes in and he looks for the owner of the bar, he doesn't sit there and say him by name. He describes him as the man with the earrings. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a subtext there that when he gets goes out back, you find the bar owner getting a blowjob from another guy. And, and the guy's like, I'm so embarrassed. And, runs and there's that subtext, yeah. you know, and... But, well, 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 let's let's not count chickens before they hatch. There's enough going on. Honestly, honestly, as the as the representative of the queer culture on this podcast, I would just like to say that I am fine if we don't go there for Lovecraft Country just just super right now. We can wait. We can deal with that maybe another time. <laughs> like you know, let's let's you know. You know, let's not try and shove too many things. Well, but <laughs> fair enough. The important part about this scene, of course, is describe is the the bar owner telling him what the last time he saw his father was like, and he gets into this, you know, silver shadow style, uh, you know, high end car, luxury vehicle, uh, Rolls Royce kind of thing. Driven away by someone who appeared, you know, the guy thinks he might have been a lawyer because he has his, he dressed so well. And this silver uh, car is a bit of a clue. Mm-hmm. And comes back to haunt us a little. Mm, a little bit. So they go off. They travel to, they start looking. They're going to Ardham, not Arkham, but it's still up in, in Massachusetts. It's still in Lovecraft country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they go and, uh, they're using the guidebook. The uncle is kind of writing, a, a some new, uh, a new version of the guidebook. And so the first place they, one of the places they stop, oh, there's this place. It's got red brick walls and it's a good place to stop and they will start, we can eat lunch there. And so they get there and as they're pulling into town, they pass. They pass the fire department. Everybody at the fire department's looking at them. And when they get to the place, it doesn't have black, a white, red brick walls anymore. It's got white brick walls. And everybody, the two, the customer and the guy who's who's running the place, look really like scared when these black people walk in. And so Letty excuses herself to go to the bathroom and discovers the the little counter guy back in the back calling the cops on them, saying, come, come quick. You know, I didn't serve him. I don't want to have what happened to what's, you know, the last owner happened to me. <laughs> and right. uh, That's a fun little device to use when you need backstory without time. Yeah, and I loved how she just came running out of the back. She's like, "We need to get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> and so they get, she gets in the car and starts driving like a demon, and uh, and they're chased by a pickup truck and a fire engine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, fire engines like outright immediately yeah. goes down an alleyway, gets stuck. It's like okay, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, and but the truck is chasing them, uh-huh. and, and then they see the white uh, or the the gray wraith, and it's coming zooming down the road. And Letty's and Addison's like, "Do you see that?" And she's like, "Oh, I see it." And uh, she is not given any indication that she's going to break. And that wraith pulls right in between 
their car, the the station wagon they're driving, and the truck, and then like side does this weird side swipey thing, and doesn't hit the truck, but the truck hits something and flips over. And yeah, that was real cool. We had to stop and watch that twice. Was <laughs> <laughs> so like, man, it was like the it had a force field. Yeah. Well, the look on the look on Atticus's face because he's in the back seat as this is going on. The windows have been shot out, and he tried to return fire, but he knows he just saw something that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Because if to to flip that truck that way because it went airborne, right. uh, that that car that that silver car should not be just sitting there. And the lady, the the tall blonde with the ice blue eyes who got out of the car should not be stepping out of the car like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe we will see her again. Yes. I think so. So then we get the scene with, with Letty and her brother, and and there's a lot of family drama going on because while Letty is in the house arguing with her, fa- with her brother, Atticus is out talking to Uncle George. Yes. Uncle George about, you know... How, why didn't, you know, why didn't you protect me from him, from my father? Like, and then when Atticus wants to go inside and help Letty, Uncle George stops and is like, no, this is not our family. Let it, kind of let it be, sort of. Mm -hmm. Not your pig, not your farm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's complicated as well, because while Letty's brother has been researching some of this stuff about Artem, uh, in the in the history for them, Letty was actually supposed to be staying with her brother. The, the you know, yeah, she was supposed to go and leave. Like she was, that was where she was supposed to end her trip. Right, but come next morning, she walks right <laughs> past them, puts her stuff in the back seat, and sits down. <laughs> so I guess we're going. She's a, she's not exactly keeping the bridges uh, strong between her sister and brother. So. Yeah, you don't always get to pick who they are, though. Right, exactly. It's true. They suck. So then they continue to drive on. No, but I'm sorry. While they were there, they get they get some history about Ardem and the fact that it was founded by witch finders, not mm-hmm. witches, but the people who killed witches. And uh, over the years, it has become basically, um, uh, I'm not going to say racist central. But it's it's got its definite supply of them, and right. the local sheriff is a bad person. Well, the sheriff of the county, the county they have to drive through to get there. Mm, right, he's so bad. Like there's there's been you know rumors about him, you know, basically lynching people out in the woods for years, and he's got a whole file. They were able to get a, a whole file on him from like uh, the NAACP. You know, when you saw that, you're like, oh, they're obviously about to run smack into this dude. Like, they also, there's also that moment where he talks about there's long before the sheriff, there have been rumors about things in the woods. Probably mm. wolves, maybe bears. No one's really sure. But, uh, you know, the woods are not a safe place to be. Right. And so the very next thing that happens is they are in the woods and they run into the sheriff. Yeah. Uh, and he basically is like, you need to be out of my county by sundown, and then follows them 
to the county line. And that's a really tense scene where they're, uh, you know, driving towards the county line and the sun is setting and it's like, oh, are we going to make it? We, you know, we have 30 seconds left and, uh, and everybody's very tense. But then they get across the county line. They think they're safe, but there's a blockade on the other side. What's really interesting about this scene from the beginning is that there's no question about the power dynamic. We've seen these characters throughout the show be very strong-willed. Mm-hmm. They're full, you know, they're, these are fully fleshed out people. There is no question about we, that we know who these people are. And yet they find themselves in a situation where these strong, intelligent people are completely in the power of one very, very bad white man. And it's the dynamic of that scene is fairly shocking because as soon as he's there, he basically lays out the whole, you know what a sundown town is? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Which basically was after the sun went down, black people were not allowed to be inside the city limits. This is uh, a real thing that happened. The town that I live in now, as far as I know, still has that law on its books. It's Western Kansas. There's a very good chance. Parts of Missouri. No. For real, it was there. Oh, yeah. I saw it. And I don't know if they took it off yet. They may not have. There's a lot of old dumb laws on the Kansas books and some very scary laws on the Kansas. Yeah, I think oral sex is still illegal in Lane County. Not sure. It probably is. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm enjoying it, so I'm not worried about it. (laughs) Okay, Okay. just because you're not getting it doesn't mean it's outlawed, Curtis. (laughs) So you know. I'd have to go to church to find out. Okay. Yeah. But um, that was the awkward thing that I was hoping I'd get to. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, but yeah, so I mean, this whole scene is just, it's incredible. You know, there's, he's basically, you know, do what I say or I will. You know, I will kill you. I'm I will going kill you. to kill you. And it's like right there. It's like, it's a it's an open it's an open threat. There is no metaphor. There right. is if I catch you, if you do not, and then when he gets when they when they're it's like okay, we're going to take you into the woods and we're going to kill you. The really scary thing is is how much these guys are just laughing. Yeah, they're just like you know we're ha ha ha, and it's just it's 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 so disturbing. We. We ex- we see that racism isn't de- isn't dead and gone. I mean, we're not in a post racial America. It's 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 a thing that we have. There are riots all over the country because of racial inequality and policing and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the scary thing is, is how much worse it used to be, and how much this stuff really happened all the time. That people with these these racists in power would basically sit there and go, "Yeah, I can just kill these people. I just can." And so there's no question in these minds that these folks, these guys think they can just do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they are, they are interrupted by creatures from the woods <laughs> uh, who come out and begin to eat the sheriff's deputies. Just eating the hell out of them. First thing, chomp, head gone. Yeah. Well, and for all the, for all the tension that we've had with like r- the r- horrors of the real world, horrors of you know these these people just dealing with with real serious issues of of racism suddenly on a dime it switches from oh yes and by the way just when you thought that was really bad (laughs) here's something that's going to eat you (laughs) it was right here's here's this that's that's we thought was the story but it turns out it's just one theme of the thing the story is going to be about some supernatural shit that drives you mad. 
Right. You know. Well, that's what I got so far anyway. I mean, yeah. one episode in, I, I know approximately what, 5% of the story. So the sheriff and one of his deputies and Letty and Atticus end up in this cabin. And the sheriff has been bitten by a creature. And Uncle George didn't make it out of the out of the glade, but he's okay uh, because he had a flashlight. And whenever a creature came at him, he shined the flashlight on him, and the creature didn't attack. And so he gets to the cabin and discover and they discuss that these creatures. That's why nobody's ever seen them during the day is because they are averse to to light. And so the sheriff uh, says Letty has to go because she's afraid Atticus is going to leave leave everyone behind if he goes to the car. And Atticus and, and George are the ones who are making the connections here. The sheriff yeah. and his deputy are just freaking the hell out. Right. And Atticus and George are like, okay, you know, it's the light. Okay, well, we've got flares in the car and the headlights of the car will help. We just have to go get the car. And this, you know, they're they're the ones who are making the plan to try and save themselves. And the sheriff and his deputy are just, you know, they're they are they are not being helpful. They're threatening them a lot, <laughs> but they're not helping the situation. This is not a huge surprise. The sheriff's already been injured by one, right? And it's a pretty and, impressive chunk out of his arm. Right. Yeah, because yeah, the practical effects are pretty pretty great. I mean, even their blood splattered clothes. I was like, I would wear that to a party. <laughs> it just looks good. <laughs> so Letty goes to get the car, and while they're waiting, uh, the sheriff starts to like turn into one of these creatures, and and the Uncle George is like, "Hey, you know what happens to a vampire when you get bit by a vampire? Like you turn into a vampire," and. And so he starts like totally mutating and the deputy, his deputy still has his gun on Atticus and George. And he's the only one with a gun. And and (laughs) Uncle George goes, you're going to want to shoot him. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Atticus and George are like, kill, kill him, kill him. And he's like literally changing into another creature yeah i can't he's still kind of white <laughs> yeah and and the yeah the deputy is so like so freaked out that he can't even listen he can't he's so ensconced in his own self that he this can't is, even tim is this not one of the common themes of lovecraft is where is being like disabled by horror um, being overwhelmed by by the the eldritch phenomena around you is yeah it is a common theme. There's a lot of people who went who who've gone mad from the revelation. I, I thought the cabin scene was like that was a really good nod. I thought you know it, it, it certainly looks like it from from here. I think that one of the curious things about this is that they well I'm not curious but it, one of the fun things about this is that. Atticus calls these things because they, they hear these weird noises in the woods earlier and Letty asks him what they are and he goes, Shoggoths. And she goes, well, what's that? And he says, it's, you know, it's a, it's a Lovecraftian monster with lots of eyes. And then when these things show up, they start calling them Shoggoths. They don't look anything like the Shoggoths in Lovecraft, but 
Uh, How do you know, Tim? It's a written word. It's a written book. He's written. It's, they're, they because, look more like Saugus than because Shoggoths. the Shoggoths in Lovecraft in the at the Mountains of Madness, which of course is where the Shoggoths uh, feature prominently. They're yeah. basically giant gelatinous tentacle things. They're not these beasties like we get here. But you know what? In this universe of Lovecraft Country, these monsters not so fictional. <laughs> <laughs> They just they just ate a guy, <laughs> right? So they're real. Turned another guy into one of them, and yeah. And so Lenny gets back with the car, and they kill the sheriff. They're 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 putting flares out, and then there's like a call from the darkness, and all of the beasties I mean, run away. It's this high-pitched, really powerful whistle, and they all just react like trained animals. But our heroes are left standing there going, what the hell just happened? Unfortunately, their car is not in great shape. And so they walk the rest of the way, these, these tired terrified blood spattered people who just look shell-shocked and they come across the wooden bridge they were looking for and they cross it and on the other side is this beautiful mansion just gorgeous and they don't even they just like look at each other and they just walk up this lawn and then they see the wraith in the uh in the driveway and when they uh, when they knock on the door a very handsome, blue-eyed, blonde-haired man answers and says, we've been expecting you. Welcome home. And it's like, oh, what now? Beautiful little blue-eyed boy trying to get him inside. What's going on with this? And then there's a preview for what's upcoming on season this season of Lovecraft Country. Yeah, but we and- have to ignore that and speculate. It looked crazy. Bo- I just want to say it looks crazy bonkers bananas. It looked. Oh, yeah. it did. It did. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to join a cult about it. So there's a couple of interesting things that, that we have going on here in terms of how the novel is structured. Cause the novel is actually broken up into individual story pieces. What we're watching right now is part of the first part of the novel called, interestingly enough, within its part in the novel, it's called Lovecraft Country. The next segment is called Dreams of the Witch House, which is also the name of a Lovecraft story. Uh, Abdullah's book, Hippolyta Disturbs the Universe, Jekyll and Hyde Park, Narrow House, Horace and the Devil Doll, and The Mark of Cain. These are, these are the segments of the novel, and each one is a piece of these individual story. The, the show seems to be broken into mini story arcs as well that tells part of this. So we've seen like the first half of Lovecraft Country, that segment of the book, in this episode. In the show Lovecraft Country, we see the segment of Lovecraft Country from Lovecraft Country. Exactly. Doesn't it all make sense? Um, Fucking Inception. Exactly. It's Shagas all the way down. Great Stoth McGrath. <laughs> But here's a couple of things that... that Mark some, McGrath? What are we doing with Mark yeah, McGrath? We're going to praise Mark McGrath and his tentacled face. <laughs> Those are highlights, Curtis. <laughs> you get that shit in California, I'm down. Mm. It's good. 
but um, but Curtis, in answer to your question about the the blonde haired blue eyed guy at the end saying "Welcome home," this is a recurring theme in Lovecraft. In yes. that you find one of the worst things that you can find out in Lovecraftian fiction is where your family came from. <laughs> because this almost inevitably leads to you finding out that your great-great-grandfather was an evil sorcerer. Or a or, fish. Or a fish, you know, or that your great-great-uncle was a pirate who murdered a town and then sold their souls to the sea god Dagon or something. I mean, there's <laughs> or that you find out that, you know, your entire family really is cannibals. I mean, there's, it's never a good thing to find out the history of your family. Uh, for, some, for someone who Lovecraft loved the 19th century. Well, he liked, he loved 19th century white Europe for someone who, who, loved history so much learning your own history in Lovecraft stories was a bad idea mm-hmm. and it usually led to you either about to die or driven mad from the revelation or turning into a fish or turning into a fish wait that one which one was that one uh shadows over Innsmouth yeah, that's right I l- can I tell the story about that sure. okay okay shadow over Innsmouth uh there was there's a uh, a horror photographer here in town that I'm thinking we all three know about mm-hmm. named right, yeah. Joshua Hoffine and he had this project that was going to be uh uh using the uh, same actor who played um I want to call him Abraham Lincoln the fish in Hellboy you know what I'm talking about yeah Doug Jones. Abe Sapien Abe Sapien thank yeah, you Doug, Doug Jones is the actor yeah Doug Jones we got Doug Jones to play to do the salesman I guess it's a salesman is that right. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, in the in the story, there's a guy who goes to this hotel and gets seriously fucked with by fish people. I didn't read it. Right. Um, it's it's yeah. It basically, this guy ends up going back to his ancestral home of Innsmouth and discovers that he's a fish. His ancestral home has some various curious relatives. Yeah, they're fish, and the sea is calling. <laughs> I was asked to fabricate some uh, some keychains for that, and I did the Innsmouth Hotel keychains. Oh, cool. Key fobs. Still have that. It's hanging on my keys right now. I made like 50 of them mm-hmm. and uh, did not get paid or compensated in any way. Oh, no. I know. And I, I seriously need to talk to Josh about that because I'm sure that's not intentional. I just have forgotten after all this time to ask. I would definitely ask. My my experience. They're really is, cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, he seems like a really nice guy from what I've the the few times I've actually talked to him. I love that dude. Yeah. Like, I, so, I, I, I don't love get him that so money, much. Curtis. I mean, I just don't. I hug him when I see him. Kind of. I love that dude. He's such a nice fella. I've worked with him a couple of times on stuff making stuff for him and and i it's it's always a huge pleasure when he asks just this time i was like hand stamping letters for like 80 hours Mm. Mm. it was was very hard to do no kidding so it's 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 some very interesting stuff here especially at the end where we get to this moment where it's this is a very lovecraftian thing it's you know welcome home to the home you didn't know was your home uh, and here's a somewhat disturbing individual looking at you going, hi, 
we've been expecting you, which is never a thing you want to hear in a horror story. I don't want to hear that ever. You don't I don't want to be like, show up. I'm going to, I'm going to drive to Aspen, Colorado in two weeks. I'm not going to tell anybody when I'm going to leave or anything. I'm going to get there and somebody's go, going to be like, oh, Mr. Smith, we've been expecting you. And then I'm going to go slowly mad, just like everyone. Or you could just turn around and drive away from them because clearly. Oh, no, dude. You buy the ticket, you take the ride. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. There's some really interesting stuff going on in this show. Uh, And some just moments of pure fun. Um, When Letty is running from the Shoggoths, this is not a... I'm going to flee through the woods and fall over a branch run. This is a, <laughs> I'm going to outrun monsters run. Yeah. Right. She's she is, running tall. Oh, she's running up high and hauling ass. Yeah, she is. This is not, this is not, a, I, I can't wait for her to be a badass on the show. Like, cause I just have this feeling that, that there's going to be a lot of the dudes standing around going, well, you know, in the books, this is what happened. And Letty going, I am going to shoot everybody. I bet, <laughs> I bet that woman uses a spike heel to kick a tentacle off a thing. It wouldn't surprise me. I think there's a fair amount of, of eye candy going on in this film, in this TV show for pretty much everybody. These are attractive people. Uh, the camera, the camera uh, lingers just a bit on the fact that Atticus is in extremely good shape. The camera lingers quite a bit on the fact that Letty is an extremely attractive woman with very long legs. I mean, there's, they, they, they recognize. Letty even takes a picture. Atticus is like rubbing himself, like cleaning himself off or something from something. And, and he's got his shirt off and his back's all glistening. And, and Letty picks up her camera and takes a picture. And I'm like, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to talk later, Letty. There's, there's no question that the people behind this know that they are they have cast some really beautiful people in these roles and they let that them be beautiful people but they also let them get dirty too i mean there's mm-hmm. they splatter them in blood and it's like it's not just like dramatic i have a speckle of blood on my cheek no it's like you know gore on them and when letty's running she's covered in blood again it comes back to the beautiful camera work in here it's hard not you know they they find that balance between making them, you know, look traumatized and, and blood covered, but still you can, you're not going to forget these are beautiful people. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, the, the, keep, the continued references to Atticus's war service, we're probably going to have a pretty good Atticus as the soldier fighting monsters scene at some point in this. We do have a little bit of backstory of Atticus. He apparently left a woman behind in South Korea when he came home. Oh, yeah. She rather ominously says, because he, he calls her and doesn't say anything, which is a dick move, folks. Don't ever do that. It's very uncool. She says, you went home and you shouldn't have. And it's a very ominous kind of uh, sound. But it, it may simply mean, you know, he left behind someone that he loved. It seems to be the implication. That was the initial implication. But right. now that you mention it, I think you meant, like, just in general. <laughs> you, you, should, you shouldn't have done that dude Mm-mm. well again you know the going home is is a dangerous thing to do in Lovecraft he goes home so he can go home yeah well a home he never knew he had which is always a dangerous thing they'll probably be like come on in here's your lightsaber 
We fight. But you don't get to keep it. You have to give it to that skinny little girl over there. (laughs) That's a reference. That's a reference. The production team of Lovecraft Country, of course, is Misha Green is the the person who developed this. Uh, And Misha Green has got a well-established track record as an African-American writer and producer. Of course, Jordan Peele is involved with this. Well, Matt Ruff, of course, is a white author himself. Uh, he's, his book has been highly praised for getting uh, the African-American experience in the 1950s uh, crafted extremely well and, of course, integrated very much into the Lovecraftian nightmare fuel that is Lovecraft Country. And, you know, we, I don't think we've ever spoken about what Lovecraft Country is. And for those of you who don't know, Lovecraft Country is pretty much the Northeast U.S., um, Massachusetts, Maine, New England. These, is the, these are the places where Lovecraft told his stories with his fictional town of Parkham and his fictional town of Dunwich and town of Innsmouth, which are all based on real places, places like Salem, Boston, or he invented his own versions and gave them different names. Uh, and of course, a lot of Lovecraftian terms, Arkham, Arkham Asylum from the Batman mythos, that's where it came, comes from, uh, and things like that. But uh, Stephen King, of course, plays a lot in uh, Lovecraft Country. There's a lot of authors who have sort of taken that that part of the country and spun out a lot of terror out of those stories. And some of it comes out that's you know that's where the country was founded in this northeastern part of the country where the U.S. began. So there's a lot of history there to play with, uh, and some really beautiful and still very empty stretches of countryside where all sorts of monsters can hide of the human and other varieties so yeah this show this show this first episode is so good people i don't i don't even know i i i was a little bit nervous about this just because getting getting lovecraftian horror on tv or in the film world right is really really hard to do well, we had this conversation just a couple of weeks ago with Color Out of Space. You because he wrote in so many in so much of the way he wrote was it was so incredible and so hard to describe. It's impossible for me to describe it to you because it was so incredible and so hard to describe. That like how do you create that? How do you give that a visual presence? And I think that so far they've done a really good job. Well, and I think they had the advantage here is that because they're they're recognizing that Lovecraft is wrote fiction in in their world as well as ours, um, they aren't tied into having it to be. And this is what a Shoggoth looks like, and it has to look like what he wrote. And I think that Atticus, even when she asks what a Shoggoth is, he describes it as, "Oh, it's a jelly." Yeah. Yeah. With tentacles or something like that, a bunch of eyes, and she says, "Well, let's watch out. I don't want to get eaten by jelly today, or whatever it is." She says, <laughs> "Yeah, it's there's a lot here that that they the flexibility of telling a story that is inspired by the cosmic horror of Lovecraft gives you a lot more freedom. It's it's in the it's in the mouth of madness freedom where you can do mm-hmm. something that evokes Lovecraft without being tied to the story, and yet." The scariest things here are not just the beasties. We spend more time in this episode dealing with the really terrifying realities of Jim Crow America. 
that's two thirds of the show uh, before we even get to anything really, you know, supernatural popping up. And I have this weird feeling that, you know, we're going to be dealing with a lot of supernatural that's kind of like, oh, yeah, that that's happening. But also, you're a black person. Why are you here? Yeah. Yes, we're all aware of the, t- the tentacle-faced monster outside. <laughs> we're all familiar. <laughs> now, there's, there's probably going to be a certain amount of yes, yes, we're being attacked by eldritch, for- eldritch forces, but who told you you could come in through the front door? Uh, which is, I think, I think, unfortunately, well, it was just, it was just terrifying, a terrible reality. It also fits in sort of that Lovecraftian idea that only the upper class intellectuals can be the ones who can defeat the evil in the rare occasions that the evil got defeated. Uh, because most of the time in Lovecraft stories, the bad guy wins, the evil wins, the monster gets you. I honestly don't see anything wrong with the bad guy winning. There are some times, there are some times where it's like, where you watch a show or something like, have you ever, have you seen uh, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse? That is a really good zombie Christmas musical. Which we reviewed on this very show. Oh, did we? Mm -hmm. Oh, we did. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Curtis, have you ever seen it? Nope. It's very good Christmas musical with zombies. And there's a part at the, you know, about three-fourths of the way through where you're like, where you go, oh, shit, there's a really good chance nobody's going to make it out of this alive. (laughs) And you go, uh, there's that moment of like, I think I'd be okay. I think I would be okay with it if (laughs) nobody made it out of this alive. I don't think we're there yet. I'm I'm really rooting for, uh, for Letty. They made Uncle George out to be this sweet, just the sweetest son bitch in the world. And now he's going to die so horribly and bloodily and with tentacles coming out of stuff. It's because that's, I don't know. I just feel like that's what they're buttering me up for. Oh, they've, they've definitely painted a target on him just because he is, yeah. he is a genuinely nice person who genuinely loves his wife and his child and, and his you know, he loves his nephew and he cares about people and he's trying to help and do good in the world by basically doing this guidebook. They're going to either kill him or they're going to take everything away from him. Fingers crossed that they don't because the, the one thing, one of the many things that, that works extremely well for this episode is that you like these characters right away. Mm-hmm. I haven't been this excited about a TV show in a while. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is very cool. If you have seen uh, Lovecraft Country and loved it or hated it or didn't know what to make of it, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can leave us a comment or a question there. You can also find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, and podcast.com. Where you can also leave us a comment and a rating, and we would love for that as well. You could do that. That'd be fantastic. And... We appreciate hearing from you when we do. It's always great to hear from the folks who listen to the show. Feel free to share the show if you enjoy our discussions on various and sundry weird topics. We have fun doing it, and we hope that you have fun listening to it. There's just a lot here. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Me as well, also. I too as well, also too as well. Do you as well? Yes. Excellent. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim, and thank you, Dustin.
And, thanks, guys. And thank you, Dustin. And again, thank you, folks, for listening. We'll do this again on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey and Dustin Adair for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.